Welcome to the Flare Confidence Podcast. Today we have Dr. Lisa Larkin. Over the past 25 years, she has worked in both the academic and private practice setting. Most recently, Dr. Larkin has designed, developed, opened, and served as the director of the UC Health Women's Center, the region's first comprehensive primary care-directed medical home for women. She recently left this role to open an internal medicine and women's health practice. Her new practice will utilize the direct primary care model, offering patients affordable, accessible, and personalized medicine. She is a tireless advocate for her patients and physicians' education, especially in the fields of women's health, menopause, perimenopausal, sexual health, and cancer survivorship. Lisa, thank you for joining us today. You have built an expertise in women's health. What sparked your passion? Well, first of all, Christy, thanks for inviting me to do this. So I'm trained as an internist. Um, You know, my uh, journey from medical school through residency was really um, about uh, finding a profession where I could uh, develop long and enduring relationships with patients. Um, Internal medicine really fit that uh, because of the problem-solving nature and the complexity of the diseases that we manage and diagnose. Um, Women's health uh, came to me later in my professional career. Um, As a practicing internist in the first segment uh, of my career when I was at UC the first time, um, it really became clear to me uh, that there were certain areas of women's health where really there were unmet medical needs, that really women uh, were having medical issues that they really weren't um, able to get adequately addressed um, with, uh, you know, many of the physicians that they were seeing, um, often, you know, because of lack of time or lack of interest or just general discomfort um, in discussing some of those arenas. And so my interest really um, came out of that. I did some advanced credentialing coursework uh, and really started to develop a niche both, both in patient care and in physician education in the area of women's health, and that's just grown over the last 15 years. Let's talk about the disparities you've found in women's health. Is it um, both in the medical field and pharmaceutical, and is it nationwide or specifically here in the Midwest? So I would tell you that um, it's very interesting. Over the last uh, 50 years, uh, what we've only more recently come to realize is that clinical trials uh, on uh, drug development uh, really have largely been done in men. I mean, if you look at the cholesterol trials, Uh, or the hypertension trials, almost exclusively the study populations uh, are men. And it's only been more recently that we've learned that women really are not just the same as men when it comes to the diseases they get, but also in terms of um, how they respond to treatment. So, for example, most recently, um, you know, only years post-marketing did we realize that the medication, a commonly used sleep medication called Ambien, that really the dosing that we thought uh, was... Uh, safe in women turns out to be way too high. And really, when we look back, the clinical trials were largely done in men, and we've learned that women really require um, really half the dose. In addition, um, you know, it's clear that women don't get the same diseases as men, right? So certainly breast cancer is an obvious example compared to prostate cancer, but also there's um, conditions, I mean, perimenopause, menopause, uh, that really is different uh, in women and men. Women and men age differently. Um, And there are certain um, uh, 
uh, illnesses and disease states that simply need to be managed differently. Um, and these, truthfully, have been largely neglected uh, for many years. Um, and really now, I think women's health is really uh, finding its own voice, uh, both in the clinical arena, but also in the uh, pharmaceutical arena. Well, and thank you for being an advocate here locally for it. And there's very few of you out there. And I'm just thrilled that you're right here in our neighborhood. And to talk about you, I mean, you have built an incredible reputation, and I'm sure you've protected it, and um, I know you're going to be very humble, but I am going to ask you, how have you done it? Just what, um, what has, how have you been able to protect it and to just keep it as great as it's been? Well, thank you for the compliment, but I would tell you, I, I don't have an exact roadmap to that except to say that... Um, I've really been uh, very true to what I'm passionate about and what I believe in. Um, and when it comes to uh, providing health care or practicing medicine, it's really been about um, being true to what I believe in, which is providing evidence-based medicine, um, thoughtful, comprehensive medicine uh, for patients, men and women, um, but also about making sure that the relationship between physician and patients um, that I'm taking care of that, um, and then I really am, and I, you know, I want to be their advocate, that they actually have the perception that I will go to the bat for them, help them if they're having trouble making a diagnosis or finding a specialist, or they can reach out to me with problems uh, with a family member. Um, and I really think that that, truthfully, is really in and of itself the reason that um, I think my Practice. I have a very loyal patient population, mm -hmm. and my practice has grown and survived through my, um, you know, multiple different uh, practice environments over the last 25 years. Well, and I have to imagine that's how your next chapter in life is going to be successful again. Let's jump to that. You're starting a new practice, or it's already up and running, I should say, but you're moving locations. Are you open for business? Are you taking new patients? <clears throat> so I opened, uh, reopened my practice in September. I left uh, my role at UC in June, um, opened my new primary care and women's health practice, or I should say reopened it in September. Um, I have purchased a building, which I'm remodeling now and will be in my permanent location in Marymount um, April 1st. Um, I'm in temporary space right now in the TriHealth Pavilion. Um, but, um, you know, it's a um, reinvigorated uh, primary care, women's focused uh, practice um, in a new practice model that's really pretty new to Cincinnati um, and that again is something that I, I feel um, very passionate about because I believe that it really um, helps, helps physicians provide better care to their patients um, and it's why I'm so passionate about it. Walk us through a little bit, just the differences so that people know what to expect if they come to you. So um, with the ever-increasing pressure uh, nationally on controlling health care costs, what has happened is that physicians in all specialties, but particularly in primary care, are really driven to see more and more patients. So it becomes this volume visit business. And what we know now is that um, across the board that the average primary care provider spends seven minutes with a patient. Oh. And the average number of patients that the expectation is that an average primary care provider will see in a day um, is really somewhere between 25 and 30, um, which really you can imagine um, from the physician's perspective and the patient's perspective doesn't really give you adequate time to mm -hmm. develop a relationship and really talk to your physician about 
um, all of the other things, what the visits really um, have become and what became for me um, was really doing just problem-focused visits. So, you know, you can come in and in seven minutes I can manage your lipids or manage your hypertension or we can talk about your sinus infection or your UTI. But in terms of doing any of the more complicated, really... um, discussions about the complexity of pros and cons of hormone therapy for menopause or discussing um, sexual health concerns or really uh, social concerns, aging, dementia, um, family problems at home, depression, um, and doing any kind of wellness um, care, really talking about all of the things that we know are important to do for disease prevention and wellness. Um, You can't do that in a seven-minute visit. And I was feeling increasingly um, at the end of my day that I had not done a great job with all of my patients, that um, I was leaving things where, um, uh, you know, I could have done a better job, but felt so pressured, um, you know, by... Uh, really the way that healthcare is being delivered that I just didn't feel good about the care that I was delivering and didn't feel that I was doing a good job for my patients. And so this new model is really uh, to try to allow me the opportunity to practice medicine the way that I believe it should be practiced and to provide better care to my patients by being um, able to offer longer appointment visits, 30 minutes for follow-ups and one hour for news and one hour for um, uh physicals, annual physicals, um, so that really I'm seeing 16 patients a day instead of 26 patients a day, which um, really allows me the opportunity to go home at night and feel that I have actually um, spent enough time with each patient in the office, and I hope, and we'll see proof is in the pudding, that um, you know patients feel that they're getting more attention and more of my time and that their office visits are more comprehensive. Well, and I would also think from the patient perspective, they are going to feel heard they're going to be feel listened to. They're going to feel like they're not just a number going through your waiting room, um, and they're just going to feel like they're in better care, in better hands of care. Well, that's certainly you know the goal. There are some um, studies out there now in practices that are doing this. Uh, the model is really called direct primary care, so it allows uh, my partners and I to have a smaller patient panel. Um, and really one of the, the emerging um, or the data that's coming out of practices across the country is really that we, we are, in terms of quality measures, able to keep patients out of the emergency room. And we've already seen this in the practice, which is because we have a smaller patient panel, we can see patients more immediately. We can see them every day as an outpatient as opposed to sending them to the emergency room. We have a better ability to really provide better care within the office, which allows us to hit quality metrics. So if we're talking Mm -hmm. diabetes control, lipids control, hypertension control, um, amount that we can uh, keep people out of the emergency room, and even cost control, um, I really think this is um, the right model for both physicians and patients, and actually is really an emerging model to help us figure out how to deliver cost, a care more cost effectively. No, I think that sounds terrific. Um, let's give out your phone number and your website now, just so we don't Thanks. forget at the so, end. <laughs> so uh, my phone number is uh, 513-760-5511, and my website is www.lisalarkinmd.com, um, and there's lots of information about the practice uh, on the website. Now I'm going to switch gears just for a few minutes to talk about you. Um, you are a stellar physician in this area, as well as just an incredible leader, how do you take care of you? How do you rest and revive? How do you create boundaries around your life and your time? So I will tell you that this is um, something that 
um, is a work in progress, has been a work in progress uh, since I was in college. Um, you know, finding that work-life balance is something that I work very, very hard on and, and have, truthfully, for many years. I think um, it's become easier in the last um, three or four years. I think my breast cancer diagnosis um, really, again, uh, put really uh, put a lot of things in perspective for me. Um, and although I would still tell you that I'm uh, relatively intense about and passionate about my work, um, I am much more uh, thoughtful about um, how I spend my time. And I'm doing a better job at saying um, no to things, um, to really being a little bit more protective of my home time, um, really trying to prioritize exercise more again, uh, certainly prioritizing sleep. Um, but probably the biggest thing is really, um, again, making sure that I really prioritize um, relationships. And I don't do it perfectly all the time. Um, again, I, I work on it. But um, certainly during the breast cancer, one of the things that was um, really such a profound experience for me was really the um, amazing gift of my family and my friends who were 100% um, devoted, supportive. I mean, I, I can tell you that through that journey, I never felt more loved in my entire mm -hmm. life. And the value of that um, was so profound that if it really, I mean, I think it, it uh, continually makes me step back and make sure that I want to be uh, grateful and appreciative and nurture and maintain, uh, you know, my relationships with my family and my friends and really make sure that I'm prioritizing that enough in my life because um, that was what it was all about when I was sick. Mm. Life is so much easier when there's friends around and family sure. around, isn't it? So true. So true. Well, thank you so much for your time thank today. You. It's been wonderful okay. hearing you. from you. And the best of luck in your new practice. Thank I'm, you. I have no concerns that it's going to take off like gangbusters. Thank you. Thank you for the time to talk today. <laughs>